ghosts, cryptids, murder, conspiracies, beer, what, the, ale. Hello, friends. Hello. Welcome back to What the Ale. I'm Alana Ray. And I'm Mama J. And welcome to our first keg of 2024. Um, So for those of you who are new to us, we do kegs, which are bigger episodes um, or bigger cases that have a lot of information. And so they tend to be a bit longer. So we're doing one this month. Um, But before we get into that, what are you drinking tonight, Mama? Um, I am drinking a tall glass of water (laughs) because... (laughs) Uh, before you arrived, I went out and had a beer with my friend, and it was a delicious milk stout. Nice. Uh, and so I've already had my beer for the day, so I'm having a lovely glass of water. How about you? I am having a Hoptologist Double IPA from Knee Deep Brewing. Um, and I've never had it before, but it's pretty good. Well, you're welcome. I picked that up special for I you. Know. Thank you so much. <laughs> is it good? <laughs> it is pretty good. I like it. Um, yeah, so I'm very excited to be recording in person with you. I know. Normally. You're in my home. It feels really good. It's nice to see you in person. Yeah. Um, any what the L moments? Um, I think my main what the L moment is my middle child is turning 18 tomorrow and yeah. time fucking flies. So um, I'm very excited because this is my child who does not like fanfare and they actually asked me to throw them a party. Um, so I'm excited that they actually wanted to celebrate their birthday because they usually want something low key. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited for that. And uh, for their birthday, I'm taking them on a trip to Disney World next week. So I'm very excited for that. Oh, uh, that's so fun. I'm excited for them and excited for you all that you get to go. And yeah, that's really, really awesome. Yeah. What about you? Any what the ale? Um, let's see. Any what the ale moments? Um, I think one what the ill moment isn't necessarily me, but my best friend went on a trip to Hawaii and flew Alaskan. And then because that plane had the hole in the window and everything. Oh my gosh. She was supposed to get back Sunday. She gets back tonight because of multiple cancellations and all of that. So there well, was... Well, I heard any of the planes that were that same type of plane, they had a ground. Yeah. Oh so my gosh. So she, she's been stuck in Hawaii four days longer than she was supposed to. Well, that's a nice place to be stuck, but... <laughs> stuck with her in-laws, which I know. Oh. Well, well future in-law type person, which I know she, she loves them, but they're a lot. So I think she was very ready to get home. Okay. <laughs> um, but as far as I know, she got on the plane. She's going to be home in a couple hours. Um... There was, like, a solid, like, day where we thought she was flying to San Francisco and she was going to stay with me for, like, 15 hours and then I was going to drop her back at yeah. SFO. Um, but that didn't end up happening. So I'm glad she, you know, figured it out and all of that. But, yeah, I mean, I can't imagine her stress at least this yeah. week and, like, being, like, at least on the mini sort of receiving end of that. Um, well, hopefully she's laying on the beach a bit, though. Yeah, I hope so, too. Yeah, getting some self-care. And eating in. some chocolate macadamia nuts. Oh my gosh, I hope she brought me a box. That's all I want. I know, she brought me <laughs> She brought me several boxes last time. I know. It made my whole month. <laughs> I know, those are so good. I Actually, she brought me, or you brought me some over the summer, and I still have those, so I need to eat those because they're so yummy. Yeah, we went through all of them. <laughs> I've been saving them for a special occasion, so, because they're special. Okay, I, to me, any day is a good day for a chocolate macadamia nut. <laughs> and, but there's only, like, 20. I don't I have know, them to you, go. I, they are gold. I get it. Uh, 
but yeah so anyway that is like my what the ale moment which is technically someone else's but it's stressful man i know because you love her i know um but before we also get into business hello to our listeners in sweden and paris Hello, oh, hello, hello. I did not notice that. Yeah. Bonjour. Bon, well, bon, bon nuit. Bon, bon nuit. Right now, because it's night. Oh, it is night. Or bonsoir. Whatever time of day it is for you, welcome. Um, yes, welcome. <laughs> I don't know hello in Swedish. Um, but, but I. we have friends that live there. We do. <laughs> yeah. And I, I have met several Swedes kind of in my travels, and they're lovely people. And you gave us ABBA, and you gave us Robin, <laughs> and um, Meatballs and Ikea. So I... <laughs> we love you. <laughs> we love you. We appreciate you. Um, <laughs> but anyway, Mama, are you ready to reveal the keg topic? Yes, ma'am. All right, friends. So we decided to go really, really deep into the Zodiac Killers. Well, (laughs) you know, you're going really deep into the actual Zodiac Killer. I'm going really deep into the Brooklyn shooter who wanted to be the Zodiac Killer. Um, Yes. And so I will talk about the copycat wannabe. Um, But yeah, but I look forward to your deep dive into the actual Zodiac. Yeah, Um, and so I do want to, like, give a fair warning for this one. There is going to be some descriptions of the violence, which gets into um, how we know, you know, some of the communications in terms of letters and things are actually from the killer. Um, I don't think there's anything super graphic in terms of, like, body gore or anything, but I just wanted to, like, give that in terms of, you know, descriptions and the Zodiac Killer himself saying some really messed up things. Definitely not as bad as our last two in terms yes. of gore and that kind yeah, of stuff. Yeah, not as bad as Balia. Dal- Balia. Wow, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, Elizabeth Short. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Not as bad as Dahlia or um, the Cleveland Torso Killer, of course, but we just, yeah, we wanted to give that warning ahead of time because we are going to be reading his letters. And again, it's just to um, show some reasons why some of the suspects might be suspects and might be credible or not. So... Sounds good. That's why we're doing it. So, um, for those of you who don't know, the Zodiac Killer was a killer that was active in the late 60s and early 70s in Northern California. Some believe maybe even in Southern California. Um, and he has never been caught to this day. Yeah. Um, so, we're going way back to December 20th of 1969 in Benicia, California, which is in the Bay Area, pretty close to San Francisco, maybe like a half an hour out. But 17-year-old David Faraday and 16-year-old Betty Lou Jensen were on their first date. Mm. And they were supposed to go to an, a Christmas play, but I guess he was like, hey, I want to talk to you about something. So they ended up going to Lake Herman Road, which was the Lover's Lane area. Um, they were definitely there at 1030. Another car saw them around 11. Um, and I think Betty's curfew was midnight, so they knew she was probably going to miss curfew um, if she stayed there much longer. Um, but at some point, a car pulled up behind their car to block them from leaving, and a man got out of the car. What? Well, how much would that freak you out if you're sitting there on a date, enjoying the evening, and all of a sudden a car pulls up blocking you in? Yeah. Then you can't see who it is. You don't know... Well, and he, like, left his headlights on, yeah. too, so he you couldn't see. I mean, that would be so scary to just not know. And at 16 know. and 17. Yeah. 
Um, and, like, these two kids were, like, described as, like, the sweetest kids ever. Like, I think it was Betty's first date ever. <laughs> like, oh it was, you know, really, really tragic what happened next. So um, the car pulled up behind, like I mentioned, and the shooter shot at the car. Um, and then he forced them to get out of the car. David shot him once in the head. and Or not David, sorry. The shooter shot David once in the head. Um, and then Betty was shot five times, but it looked like she was trying to run. So she was shot like five times in the back and she was like, I want to say they said like 20 feet away from the car, whereas David was right next to the car. Okay. Um, and there were 10 shots total. Um, like I said, some were just shot into the car before he actually forced them out of the car. Mm. Um, and the killer somehow was able to leave without being noticed. Um, Billy was dead when the police arrived, but Faraday was still alive, but he arrived to the hospital dead in the ambulance, tragically. Um, In terms of evidence, there were tire tracks and gunshot residue at the scene. Um, I believe there was also a gunshot residue on one of the victim's clothing, which indicates that the killer was quite close. Yeah. Um, So... um, They thought initially maybe it was committed by someone they knew or more than one person. They thought maybe, um, I guess there had been a young man who had a crush on Betty and made that known and she was not into it. And so they tried to, um, you know, pin the murders on him and unfortunately, well, not, I guess, fortunately for him, but unfortunately he had a solid alibi. So he was not at all connected to this. Hmm. But Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, if this is like the first killings, you wouldn't assume it was going to continue so you right. would assume it would be somebody who knew them or yeah yeah you know. and that that's the thing like this was the first one yeah at least on record um that is for sure the zodiac so okay. um and like i said they just couldn't pin down a motive like they both seemed like really clean cut good kids um you know junior senior in high school just doing their best so it's really really sad yeah um so there wasn't another shooting until um July 4th, so 4th of July of the following year, and this was in Vallejo, California, so also very close to, like, the San Francisco Bay Area, but still kind of inland a bit, Um, and so there were two folks involved. It was Darlene Farron and Michael Majot, Um, and I don't know a lot about Michael, but Darlene was a waitress, and she was um, a mother... And she was on her second marriage. Um, Everyone said she was super friendly and lovable. um, And her husband was at work and she was supposedly out buying fireworks Mm -hmm. for 4th of July. Okay. Um, And she went out with her friend, Michael Majo. You know, I think a lot of people, again, like the first case where they were just trying to round up usual suspects, they were like, well, maybe they were having an affair and maybe the husband killed them and, you know, whatever. But there was no evidence of an affair. Um, Michael, I guess, told Darlene he needed to talk to her about something privately. So they went to Blue Rock Springs, which is another lover's lane area. Um, And a vehicle pulled up and drove away. And they were like, oh, that was weird. But then the car returned and shined a flashlight on them. Mm. And the driver of the car opened fire. Um, Michael was hit in the jaw and the shoulder. And then... The killer walked around the car to the other side and shot Darlene repeatedly. Wow. Um, I guess at some point, 
Mike Madreau, like, made a noise or groaned or something, and the killer came back and shot them each twice more. Bef- That's a lot of bullets. Mm-hmm. Gosh, they, he was not playing around. No, he wanted to make sure they did not survive. Um, and so some kids that were kind of playing in the area heard the commotion, and Madreau was actually able to get out of the car. And so they found him, and they called the police. Um and both were still alive when uh, the police arrived. Um, sadly, Darlene died on the way to the hospital, but she seemed to be trying to tell the police something. Um, and apparently in the months leading up to her death, she did have a stalker that was like one of her like regular customers at the restaurant, but oh. um, they weren't able to prove that he was linked to the case. And I don't, as far as I know, they never even identified the person. Oh, um, But... Mm. Yeah, I guess she had been saying that someone had been following her, um, which is still super scary for her. So, but at this point, did they, because I mean, a year later, like, did they connect this to the previous case? Not yet. We're going to get into it. Okay. How they connected it. So, Michael Majo did survive. Okay. And. Um, so, he got, he got shot in the jaw. The jaw, the shoulder. shoulder and, and then, then twice other, more. And he survived. He survived. Wow. So. Really great for him. Um, So he was interviewed, and the description he gave um, was basically a white man with a round face in his 30s, and he believed he could ID the person from a lineup. So some more details he gave um, was that the person was around 5'8". He said a beefy build with short, brown, curly hair. Okay. Um, And the police did make a police sketch, which we will post on Instagram um, for folks to see. So, how, good question, how did they connect these seven months apart killings? Well, the killer called 911 and admitted to both killings after he shot Michael and Darlene. Oh, okay, well that'll, that'll make a connection. Yeah, and the 911 operator reported that it was very taunting, and then the, like, was very like, I killed two people, and da 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 da, like, very, like, taunting the operator. Um... And that the killer became frustrated when the operator tried to ask any follow-up questions. And so the killer hung up, and this person is quite bold because the phone booth that he called from was across the street from the Vallejo PD. Oh, my gosh. Uh-huh. Man, these people could be very bold. Like, my last episode, they were dumping body, bodies in front of the police right. station or outside of Elliot Ness's office, and now we got him calling from across the street. And this is going to be a pattern with the mm-hmm. Zodiac, you'll see. He definitely lives on the edge of it with yeah. some of his calling. So, um, the killer then sent three handwritten letters to the Vallejo Times, the San Francisco Chronicle, and the San Francisco Examiner. Um... And they all had details about the victims and the crime scenes. And then there was a cipher included, which people believed to reveal the killer's identity. Um, And he threatened the, he threatened to kill more, basically, unless the ciphers were published. Um, And so then they did publish it in the papers and citizens were trying to solve it. So... Um, the, one of the couples who solved them was Donald Hardin and his wife, Betty. It took them 20 hours to solve the cipher. Mm -hmm. Um, and there's, so there's three parts of the cipher and the third part has never been decoded. So I will go ahead and read the first part of the cipher because it gives some context into what a nut, nut job we have on our hands here. Okay. 
I like killing people because it is so much fun. It is more fun than killing wild game in the forest because man is the most dangerous animal of all to kill. Something gives me the most thrilling experience. It is even better than getting your rocks off with a girl. The best part of it is that when I die, I will be reborn in paradise and all that I have killed will become my slaves and I will not give you my name because you will try to slow down or stop my collecting of slaves for my afterlife. And then there's a whole bunch of random letters. I don't know. What do you think about that? He likes killing man because it's the most dangerous animal Well, I mean, I do agree man is the most dangerous of all because we are very destructive. So I agree with that statement, but that doesn't mean you get to kill them. Great. It says, Dear Editor, this is the murderer of the two teenagers last Christmas at Lake Herman and the girl on the 4th of July near the golf course in Vallejo. To prove I killed them, I shall state some facts which only I and the police know. Christmas. Brand name of ammo. Super X. Ten shots were fired. The boy was on his back with his feet to the car. The girl was on her right side feet to the west. Fourth of July. The girl was wearing patterned slacks. The boy was also shot in the knee. Um, brand name of ammo was Western. Okay. Those are pretty specific details. So... They all pretty much agreed that this was definitely the killer. Yeah. Um, so, like I said, they were able to sign, that couple was able to sign those two ciphers. Unfortunately, the third one's never been solved. Um, and then a couple days after this, there was the famous letter where the killer gave himself a name. Well, and it's interesting, again, like these killers that want to give themselves their own name. <laughs> I know. Like Son of Sam or, you know. Yeah, they yeah. just they're like, here, I'm gonna tell you what to call me because I've come up with this really cool name. <laughs> yeah, it it there was this podcast I listened to where they just made fun of those killers. They're like, they're such the ones that like want to be popular. You know, yeah. they're totally the ones that are like not ever gonna be popular. So they're like, well, I'll be popular if I name. Yeah, like, they're like, call oh, me call me Flash, <laughs> and everybody's like, no, I'm not gonna call you that. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, he's, it's funny though that I don't know. I mean, I I would not be a serial killer, but if I was, like, I don't know that I would give myself my own name. Yeah. So, like I said, soon after the killer wrote in a letter where he named himself, which said, "Dear editor, this is the Zodiac speaking, and in answer to your asking for more details about the good times I had in Vallejo, I shall be very happy to supply you more material." By the way, are the police having a good time with the code? If not, tell them to cheer up. When they do crack it, they will have me. On the 4th of July, I did not open the car door. The window was rolled down. All ready. He did already, like, in two words, too. Hmm. Not just one word, <laughs> which is silly. Um, well, maybe he meant it, he, it was all ready for him to shoot oh like that's it, the, true the car the scene was prepared for him this is true <laughs> so maybe he meant it that way <laughs> um and then he says the boy was originally sitting in the front seat when i began firing when i finished the first shot when i fired the first shot at his head he leaped backwards at the same time thus spoiling my spoiling my aim he ended up 
I, don't, I can't read the rest of this. The Zodiac's handwriting is horrible. If anyone wants to read these letters, if you would like to take a look, look at his handwriting. It's, it's awful. Anyway, my point is, this guy clearly has details. Clearly the killer names himself the Zodiac in uh, August of 1969. So, um, there was never a reason given for the name Zodiac, but people believe that Zodiac could be to describe someone who is omnipotent or all-knowing. Hmm. Um, and a lot of people believed that the spelling errors could either mean that he was less intelligent or he did this intentionally to throw off the police. But again, since we don't know who the killer is, we can't actually prove which it is. Hmm. But there were a lot of spelling errors and weird things throughout just grammatically. Okay. Um, so moving on to about a month later, um, in September 22nd, 27th, sorry, of 1969 and Lake Berryessa, Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Shepard um, were college students who had formally dated and then they kind of reconnected. It doesn't say if they were together or not, um, but they went to Lake Berryessa for a picnic during the day and Cecilia saw a man and she was concerned about him and like thought he was kind of sketchy. He was just kind of lingering over by them, um, but the guy walked away and then she then noticed he had hidden behind a tree and the man emerged with a mask and it had the zodiac symbol like on it and the zodiac symbol mm-hmm. is like a crossfire like um it's like a like circle a with a cross in it yeah, yeah like a like a target um and like looking through a scope yeah. yeah 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 and so i guess the the person had told them that he had recently escaped from prison and he needed money and their car to escape to mexico and Brian was like, take it all. Take my stuff. Take my money. Take the stuff. Um, but Zodiac um, obviously was just doing this to toy with them. His intention was to harm them. And so he tied, she, he had Cecilia tie Brian up and then he hogtied the both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he took a foot long knife. He stabbed Brian six times in the back and he stabbed Cecilia ten times. Um, Yeah, and this to me, you know, because it's so different, right? Like, I don't know. I think it takes a different kind of, I don't know what it is, but to stab somebody. That's ballsy. Yeah, I mean, because shooting, I feel like, well, I mean, who's shooting people really close up? But, like, shooting to me, it's like you fire and then something happens over there. I feel like that's not whatever. But, like, to take a knife and stab somebody, Mm -hmm. to me, there's something about that that is, like, a whole nother level. Well, to me, it feels more personal. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you just, I mean, to be that close, you know, I don't know. And I know some of the shootings were close, but, um, yeah, Mm -hmm. it just seems like a different level. And to tie them and, you know, Mm -hmm. they think they're fine and... Yeah, just thinking uh, they're just, being robbed and yeah. then suddenly attacking them. This one, them. like, yeah, I mean, all of them bother me, but this one it feels a little different. Yeah, and so then the killer walked away, but they were both still alive. Yeah. Um, so Brian had tried to untie Cecilia with his teeth, and he got her loose enough that she was able to get out and then loosen Brian's ties. Um, and he was less injured, so he kind of walked to get help, but he kept, like, blacking out. Yeah. And there was a family kind of across the lake that saw something happening and notified police, but it took an hour to get there since it was, like, so far out, kind oh of in the gosh. boonies. Yeah. Um, so Cecilia, unfortunately, passed away at the hospital, but she was able to give some info before she did pass. Um, okay. She said that it was... A person with a round face and brown hair, which I think is how they were able to connect to the Michael Majot shooting, at least. Yeah. Um, 
And Brian's description was similar. So he said he was like medium to short. He was pouchy. Um, He said the hood had slits on the eyes, but it had glasses like over it. So they were wondering if like maybe Zodiac either had bad vision or maybe Zodiac like was trying to disguise his appearance or something. They're not quite sure. Um, And then at the scene, there were wing walker boot prints, which were a very rare type of boot that was only sold on military bases. So they believed that the killer must have been like either a veteran or, you know, worked on a military base because that's the only way he would have acquired those boots. Um, And it went from the road to where the kiddos were stabbed. They're not kiddos, but (laughs) where they were stabbed. Um, And then on Brian's car with a blue felt tip marker, he drew the Zodiac symbol and he put the dates of all of the crimes. And so the Michael Majot, the first shooting, um, and then this crime, and he wrote by knife next to the Lake Berryessa date. Um, he also called the police from a payphone close to the police station in Napa and reported a double murder and hung up. They oh. got to the phone booth and like it was still warm in there when they got in. So yeah. like he had clearly like just left, um, but they were able to find a partial palm print. Um, oh, wow. And witnesses, I guess there was a cafe or something nearby. So they made a sketch of a white man with a round face and dark hair. But okay. again, not anything too specific. So. Well, that's the hard thing because people's descriptions, I mean. I wouldn't know how to describe my own face. <laughs> I, well, and that's, you know, because I remember what you said that about um, one of the other cases, like looking like Bing Crosby, you know, because we tend to. Um, you know, we tend to describe like, oh, well, it's got a nose like this or mouth like that person, mm-hmm. you know, because it's, it is hard to describe somebody's face, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, so like the build or the hair color, that's easy. But to describe a face, it's really hard. And then memory is weird. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Well, it especially if you're like a victim me. of a crime or something. Yeah. Like, you I mean, don't get a good view anyway. Well, or you're just in your trauma and, you know, yeah. I mean, gosh, trying to pick up any details is really hard, but... Yeah, I just, it's so hard to describe, and I really, um, those artists, though, that do these renderings, mm-hmm. I mean, some of them are so very talented, because yeah. you've seen some where people have been caught, and it's like, wow, that looks just like them. Or even, like, the courtroom sketch, which yeah, is, yeah. like, very different. Well, that's but, different, because yeah. they're looking at the person, but, um, but yeah, it's so, so hard to describe. Yeah, it's, it's fascinating to me, um, but yeah, so that... Case so Brian did end up surviving, and actually, the documentary I watched, he was uh, talking in that, which I thought was very oh. cool. I was like, "Hey, you're here." Well, that's cool. Um, so then our next killing brings us to San Francisco on October 11th, and Paul Stein was a cab driver. Uh, he also was selling insurance to put himself through college, and. Uh, the Zodiac was on Geary, and he was waiting by the Pine Street magazine shop, which I've totally been to, and that's really weird that I've been there. I was like, when they said that, I was like, I know exactly where that is. I know. Some of these are so close to home. I know. Um, and he said that he wanted to go to the intersection of Washington and Cherry in the Presidio, which is a kind of ritzy neighborhood in San Francisco. And when Paul Stein pulled over, the shooter took a gun and shot him in the head. Um, There were kids kind of in a house nearby and they saw a man exit the car, rip off a piece of Paul Stein's shirt and then wipe the car and walk away. Hmm. So they immediately called the police. Yeah. And sadly, 
the dispatcher or someone along the line mixed some facts up and told the police that they were looking for a black man and not a white man. Oh, my gosh. That's a big mistake. Yeah, and I do wonder if maybe they said he was wearing black or something, Mm. and then the person just heard wrong. Like, I don't know what it was. Yeah. Um, Because this is also before, like, 911 calls were recorded all the time. Um, But they actually – so two police officers kind of were en route, and they stopped a man who most likely was the Zodiac. And they were like, hey, have you seen a guy with a gun? And he's like, oh, yeah, I saw a black man with a gun running that way. Oh, my gosh. And then the man just, like, quickly, like, swiftly walked into Presidio Park and disappeared. Wow. So... When the officers realized there was a mix-up and that they had talked to this guy who completely pointed them in the wrong direction, they were like, he could have been the guy. Yeah. So they both they made a police sketch. Um, and But again, they were looking at him as like an innocent person just walking in the park. So, you know, they probably weren't really taking very much detail right. of his face either. Exactly. And so I guess the, the kids and the officers like all talked to the same sketch artist. So they kind of made up composite based on like four people's descriptions well and maybe cops are better at like paying attention for details but yeah yeah if if they didn't think he was involved at all i could see them not paying too much attention yeah it's a hard one um and (laughs) my notes just say very basic looking guy Um, (laughs) the the sketch is very basic looking but it is the famous sketch that everyone has probably seen the guy with the glasses and that is the sketch that came from this um so there was a hotshot detective in San Francisco at the time named Dave Toskey. Did he give himself the name Hotshot? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was, actually, you know who said it? It was Robert Graysmith, the guy who wrote the Zodiac book. Oh, okay. Um, who we will get into in a little bit. Um, but he arrived, and it again, super short after the shooting, um, the meter was still running when he arrived, and... Two days after, the killer did send a letter to the SF Chronicle with a piece of Paul Stein's shirt. Um, I'm not going to read the letter, but it he was basically upset that um, Zodiac was not connected to the crime and that the crime did not make the front page of the newspaper. Hmm. And he wanted to correct, you know. Wow. <laughs> um, yep, another one that wants to make sure he's got notoriety, that yep. the details are clear. It's a special type of narcissism, that yes, one. Yes, yeah, I'm um, telling you. But he also, in that letter, wrote about how school children make good targets and that he may wipe out a bus someday. Mm. And so he also talked about doing this by creating bombs that would go off when the bus drove by. Um, And so they didn't print the letter initially. And what they did was they put plainclothes officers on or following buses that had children for months. Yeah. Um, And they actually had, like, kids who were like in school during this time in San Francisco and they were like yeah there were like these weird guys that would ride on the bus with us or like yeah. we were told like any sketchy boxes on the bus or anything yeah. like we had to be careful with um luckily there were no bombings yeah um thank goodness so then in a couple weeks later um the Oakland Police Department received a call from the Zodiac and asked to be on TV and interviewed by Melvin Belli, I guess he was like some news guy in the Bay at the time. Um, And so he asked to be referred to as Sam. And they asked Brian, um, the survivor of the Lake Berryessa stabbings, to identify the voice. And Brian was like, this isn't the guy. Hmm. So... It ended up being a person calling from a mental institution in the Bay Area. (laughs) And 
they were able to quantify, like, make sure it was not actually the Zodiac. Hmm. So, on the one-year anniversary of Paul Stein's killing, he received a letter and a piece of Paul Stein's shirt. Hmm. And in the letter, the killer kept using the word control and, like, something about being in, like, a power struggle with the police, like, very much like he's Hmm. in control of the situation and, you know, whatever. Again, narcissism. (laughs) So uh, he definitely would just do anything he could to taunt the police and get whatever attention he wanted. He really was just pulling his little strings. And so the killer also mentioned something about a 13th victim. And people, there wasn't a lot of clarity on had he already killed 13 people or were there going to be 13? Like, was his mm. goal to be 13 people? Okay. And I think at this point there were seven okay. that were already attributed yeah. to the Zodiac. So there's a long way to go if yeah. he had already killed 13. Um, long way to go if he planned to kill more, yeah. That too also, yeah. yeah. Um, And so he also mentioned that um, a journalist at the Chronicle named Paul Avery was going to be his 14th victim. Mm. So... The police, like, <laughs> were like, hey, Paul, you got to be careful. And there's, like, a video of him being like, I'm not scared. Like, what's he yeah. going to do? Like, I'm fine. You know, whatever. And then, actually, the Chronicle was so worried about this that anyone who was in the building had to wear a pin that said, I'm not Paul Avery. Oh, my so gosh. So no one would, like, <laughs> shoot him. Which I'm like, that's so wild. <laughs> <laughs> Big like not me on the chest, like, just like a little button. That's I'm like, but you know, if he's calling that guy out by name, he knows who he is, right? And yeah, I'm, like they interviewed him on the news. Yeah. I'm like, so we know who he is. Yeah. Like you're so There's, dumb. But, but that is funny how people try to think that they're gonna do something to make themselves feel safer or something. Yeah, and so one more thing the Zodiac did say in this letter was that he was going to change his MO and that he would want the murders to appear as accidents from here on out. Mm. So again, he's already changed his MO once. He absolutely can do it again. Yeah. So this brings us. Wait, no, Alana, he's a narcissist. He could do whatever he wants because he's smarter (laughs) than everybody. He's in control. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So this brings us to 1970 and Kathleen Johns was traveling from San Bernardino to Petaluma um, and she was having some car trouble. And at the time, she was pregnant and had an eight-month-old baby. So a man pulled up and offered her a ride yeah. to, like, the nearest town. And in the car, he starts making some statements that are really creepy and make her uncomfortable. So she just, like, jumps out of the car and runs through a field and, like, calls the police. Yeah. Um, good for her. And she said she believed it was the Zodiac based on the picture or the police sketch. Because she saw the sketch at the police station when she reported and was like, that was the guy. So... From a lineup, she ended up picking up, picking out Lawrence Kane, and Kane had been linked to a murder in Reno. Um, and we'll get into Kane as a suspect later. So now I I don't know if I'm remembering this right though, and this could totally be a different case. But was it like he didn't realize at first that she had the baby with her, and then like so he like offered her the ride or offered whatever, and then. And then when she, like, went to go get in the car, she grabbed her baby to go get in the car. And he didn't, re- you know, and he was like, oh. You know, I didn't see anything about that. Okay. But I could be thinking of a different case, but I feel like there was a thing where. I like, feel like I've heard that before, too, but I don't know yeah. if it was for Zodiac. Because okay. there's a lot of these hitchhiker guys who are weird about Yeah. yeah. Um, 
But yeah, it could be. I, I, I don't remember that. For but this. gosh, to like get out, jump out of the car and you have your baby with you. Oh my gosh. And pregnant. Like what a badass. Yeah. Badass, Kathleen. If you're still out there, good job. Um, so then as we get into 1971, he starts sending letters and postcards about other crimes and details about cases. But they were figuring out like he didn't really have any new info. Mm. Um, and so they were kind of like... You know, I don't know if you're just, like, reading this in the paper and, like, looking for more attention. Um, but we'll see. And then the last known letter from the Zodiac came in 1974. And it was nothing really, just his normal taunting of police. But he did write a review of The Exorcist. Oh. <laughs> and um, I personally... Does he agree with my dad that it's the scariest movie ever made? No. <laughs> <laughs> so he wrote this letter... Um, and it's the last one that is attributed to him. I think there may be others where they're like, this could be the Zodiac, but again, they can't prove it. Yeah. But this letter says, I saw and think that Exorcist was the best satirical comedy oh. that I have ever seen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so so he did not react to it the way most people did. <laughs> I don't know if he's just trying to appear like hardcore. He's yeah. like, yeah, I'm hardcore. Like, is anybody that saw it back then... Thinks it's the scariest I mean, movie ever made. Honestly, I have watched The Exorcist at night, lights off, all the things, yeah. and I've still been freaked out. The The effects are bad, and yeah. I know that, but the, it's a creepy it movie. It is a scary movie, Like, yeah. to me, the scariest scene in the whole movie is when she's getting the radar, that radiologist-like mm-hmm. thing. And this was before I knew a serial killer was even in the movie, but, you yeah. know, like, I always thought that was, like, just the juxtaposition of, like, the sounds and everything. Yeah. It's, a, it's freaky. Yeah. So... Anyway, that's his opinion on The Exorcist. If y'all would like to know the type of tomfoolery he was up to when he was taunting police. Um, So as I mentioned, there were a few cases that were mentioned as similar, um, but there's really no evidence that it's the Zodiac. And um, I think for these as well, Zodiac was not or did not take credit for the cases. Mm. So that's why it's hard to. So the first is Carrie Edwards and Bobby Domingo. Um, They were murdered on a remote beach in the bay where it was hard to get to. They were bound and killed by knife, similar to the Lake Berryessa attack. Okay. So a lot of people think the MO is really similar. Yeah. And that's the main reason. But the killer, like I said, has never taken credit. Hmm. And it has not been formally connected Hmm. to the Zodiac killer. It does sound similar, but he definitely seems like somebody who always wants to take credit. So Right. And then in 1966, there was a murder in Southern California in Riverside. Mm-hmm. Hello. <laughs> um, and a woman was found in a vacant lot. Uh, she was stabbed. And there were letters sent throughout 1966 and 67 to the press mm-hmm. by the killer. Um, and it was similar to Zodiac. And I guess the Zodiac killer and this person both put more stamps than needed on the letters. Mm-hmm. Um and the Zodiac actually took credit for Miss Cherry. Her name was Sherry Joe Bates. Um, and he took credit for the killer and said there were others. In, and for, he took credit for the killing and said there were others in Southern California. Okay. So that's why, again, with his number of 13 and 14, that is kind of where people are like, there might be cases in SoCal. Yeah. Um, and there was a guy named Ross Sullivan who I think was kind of... 
suspected of being her killer. Um, I don't know if he was formally charged or anything, but he also wore stocky glasses. He worked at the library. He was last seen. He was known to have mental health issues and like fits of rage, that type of thing. Um, and the letter, he quoted the Mokado, which I guess is an opera. Mm. And the guy knew opera, I guess. Um, and this person was also considered to be a suspect for Zodiac. But obviously, we don't have a identity for Zodiac. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, there are similarities between these cases. We're not positive. Yeah. <laughs> um, but now I want to get into a couple of the suspects okay. that we have named. So... One is a quite famous person that is also a known killer. Do you have any ideas who he is? You know, I feel like I should because I've definitely watched documentaries and movies and stuff, but I really can't think of it right now. The Unabomber. Oh, Ted Kaczynski. Ted Kaczynski. Okay. R.I.P. Well, not R.I.P. R.I.H. Rest in hell, (laughs) Mr. Ted. Um... But as many people know, um, the Unabomber or Ted Kaczynski was a killer who sent bombs to different universities and um, throughout the 70s and 80s. And he also sent a lot of letters as well as like, what was it, like 70 page manifesto or something mm-hmm. um, about why his his uh, bombings were justified. So he's a piece of work, Mr. Ted. Um And the killings actually coincided with his time as a professor at UC Berkeley. Oh, really? And the killing at Blue Rock Springs was the day before his final day of teaching. Oh. So, you know, it's interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, There was also mention in one of the letters, as I mentioned, of collecting slaves for the afterlife. And in the manifesto, the word slave was used a lot in a similar Mm -hmm. context. Okay. Did um, he? I don't even. I can't even think if I know what he looks like. Did he look like? Okay, I was gonna say I feel like he didn't, but no. So Ted was very like tall and yeah, lanky. That's what I thought. Okay, and I mean at the time he didn't have like crazy hair or anything. Obviously, when yeah. he was living in his cabin, he did. But um, the physical description was very different. Okay. And as far as I know, law enforcement doesn't like him as a suspect. Yeah. Um. I think it was just people were like, same time, he worked at UC Berkeley, da 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 which is totally fair and valid, but also at the same time, the co-ed killer was active, and other people were active that could have taken credit, and, you know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't, yeah, it doesn't seem, because I was going to say, I don't feel like he looks like that, but, um, but yeah, I mean, just being in the same area, I don't think that's enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, um there's a couple others. So there was a man named Gary Stewart who claimed it was his father, Earl Van Best Jr., which is quite a name. We're just going to call him Van. That's okay. what they kind of call him in the documentaries. And Van has been kind of proven not to be Zodiac, and there's a lot of reasons for it. But um, I guess Gary was watching, you know, Forensic Files or something, and the Zodiac Killer's picture came on, and he was like, that looks just like a photo of my dad. And mm. to be completely honest, it does. Okay. The sketch, the Paul Stein sketch with the glasses... Looks exactly like this man's father. <laughs> you know, if, 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 so, but if a sketch came across the TV that looked exactly like my dad, I would like laugh, like, wow, that looks like my dad. But like, I know my dad's not a serial killer. Like, so to see a picture and be like, oh, that could be my dad. Like, what else is going on with his dad that he could believe that? Well, um, I didn't write this down. Um, 
but I have watched like a four part documentary about Gary Stewart and his whole reasoning for that. Oh, okay. Um, but it sounds like he was put up for adoption and his mom had been, his biological mother had been in an abusive relationship with this guy and got pregnant, put him up for adoption, that type of thing. Okay. Um, and in it, Somehow he had found out that his father had gone to a Tascadero, which if folks don't know is someone who commits like sexually motivated crimes or is like deemed a sexual deviant or a violent person will go to a Tascadero back in the day. I don't know if it's still the same, but they would go kind of back in the day as a way to kind of rehabilitate to go back into the world. So he had been told that his father had gone to a Tascadero. Um, They were able to prove that he never had ever been in a Tascadero. So he might have been an abusive asshole. But as far as we know, he hmm. was not the killer. And there's okay. other reasons for that. Um, but some of the reasons why he said, aside from the police sketch, was that the handwriting matched the writing that was on his dad's marriage license hmm. in the letters. And the funny thing is, is that the priest or the minister on yeah. the, the marriage license, like, wrote on the marriage license. Yeah, I was it gonna wasn't say, when him. I, when I was married, we didn't, the only thing we did was sign it. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't write anything on it. So this implicates the minister yeah. or the priest, <laughs> not, not uh, his father. Um, and he did claim that his dad's name fit in the cipher. It is the right number of letters, hmm. but that doesn't mean anything because no one has still solved the cipher. So even if, you know, his name fits, that doesn't necessarily mean hmm. that he's the killer. Um and there was really no credible evidence other than the fact that he looked like him linked to the crime. Um, so the most popular suspect, which is one that I kind of like as a favorite, mm-hmm. is Mr. Arthur Lee Allen. Mm-hmm. Um, and this kind of is a big theory of Robert Graysmith, who I mentioned earlier. Um, and I do want to say Robert Graysmith is a very well-renowned journalist and political cartoonist. He worked for the San Francisco Chronicle during the time of the killings. He is dedicated years of his life to this case. He wrote the book, the famous book Zodiac. He also, um, his kind of story and process is linked, uh, is kind of shown in the movie Zodiac with Jake Gyllenhaal. And, you know, Jake Gyllenhaal plays him. So that's pretty cool. He got yeah. a movie deal out of it. <laughs> um, so there's a lot of Questions about this theory, I think we can all agree that Arthur Lee Allen is a shit, shitty person, um, but we don't know for sure if he's Zodiac. Okay. Um, so, Michael Majo in 1991 was shown a photo of Arthur Lee Allen, and he was like, yeah, that's him. 100%. Really? That is the guy that killed me, or tried to kill me and killed my girlfriend. Um, <laughs> we are talking from beyond the grave. He's the one that, tried, that, that killed me. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> he shot me. Um But, you know, it is very weird. And so then there's on the record a friend of Arthur Lee Allen's named Don Chaney went to the police and he mentioned that Arthur Lee Allen in 1967 said something about sending letters to the press and using the name Zodiac. And like he just was kind of like, oh, call me Zodiac. Like that's my nickname. Like da da da. Which I'm like, so like you just want your friends. that guy that's like around the water cooler like hey call me whatever you know and it's like nobody's gonna call you that (laughs) right and so there were a few things that kind of again very circumstantial but could be linked to the case 
He knew how to attach a flashlight to a gun, which is something the killer did in the shootings that were at night. Um, how did they know that he knew how to do that? His friend told him. Oh, okay. The friend that like went to the police. Um, he was also former military. He had a dishonorable discharge. Hmm. So he could have had the boots that we talked about. Mm-hmm. And he had also talked about, like, shooting couples on lover's lanes. Like, he had, like, casually been, like, they'd be easy targets, like, if you just, like, went up to a lover's lane and went, pew, pew. And it's, like, my guy, who yeah. talks about that? Yeah, nobody. <laughs> um, so there was also, like, photographic evidence and other evidence that he had been to Lake Berryessa the summer that the couple, um, Brian and Celia were stabbed at Lake Berryessa. Um... And he had actually gone to prison for molesting children when the killing stopped. So say what you will about this man. He is a bad man. He is a bad man. (laughs) So. Well, and I am of the opinion that if you molest children, you should be in prison forever. Because for most people, that does not change. You're still a threat to society. Yeah. And he did die of a heart attack in prison years ago. So. (laughs) He's gone. He's no longer torturing anybody. Thank fucking God. Yeah. Um. But there were a few things that proved maybe it isn't him. So his prints didn't match what was in the cab. Um, And the handwriting didn't match his handwriting. Now, to me, I feel like handwriting is bogus science. Because I, my signature team. But if I was going to write a letter to send to the press, I would not use my normal handwriting. I would like. You disguise it. Yeah, I would shift it a little bit. Exactly. And that's how I feel. So I'm like, that's kind of bogus science. I think the fingerprints, I have heard that a lot of people think the Paul Stein might not have actually been Zodiac, and it might have been a Zodiac copycat, mm. which is where Lawrence Kane comes in, because he worked at um, a lodge in Lake Tahoe where there were a couple folks who had been killed in Lake Tahoe, and he worked at that place. He had been linked to those killings, um, and it was a similar MO to the Paul Stein. So, and the picking up in the car was also right near where um, the lady was, was that lodge where Kane was working. So mm. a lot of people think... Maybe he did a couple. So that's why there's like this theory that there's two because the, the police sketches, the first ones and the second ones don't match. <laughs> hmm. So there's like a weird theory about that. Um, but yeah, back to Arthur Lee Allen, though. This man, y'all. He also had in his trailer, they searched it, I think, probably when he was on the molestation charges. I don't know. But they found... Lots of sex toys. They found dissected animals and weird, like, body parts and things in his fridge. Wow. Um, they found... Like animal body parts or... Yeah. Oh, okay. Like, he had, like, cut yeah. animals um, or mutilated... Anyway, not great stuff to animals. <laughs> um, and they also found similar weapons to what Zodiac could have used, like ballistics and guns and things. And they also found blueprints for bombs. Mm. And specifically blueprints that were, like... Wanting to blow up buses. <laughs> like they were the right size or whatever? Like, no, like blueprints of like how big of a bomb would blow would up a bus. Oh, okay. Like he knew what he was doing. Yeah. Um, And I guess he also lived close to Darlene Farron. So remember I mentioned she had a stalker. So people kind of suspect maybe he was the stalker during the summer before she passed. Okay. Um, But again, he's... Never been implicated. Like, I think he died in the 80s in prison. So he's been gone a long time. And Graysmith still, this is his suspect. This is the guy. I truly believe he could have, like, what type of asshole wants to be called Zodiac? This is where I'm at. Because this Mm. was, like, 
before the killer was using it in the letters, he was wanting to be called Zodiac. Yeah. So, oh, and he had a Zodiac brand watch, and the Zodiac brand watch is the same symbol as the symbol he used. Mm. So, you know? Yeah. There are things. There are know. things, for sure. Um, And I did mention Lawrence Kane. Um, that was really it with him. They weren't able to link him to the earlier killings, but they thought they could link him to Paul Stein and the other um, attempted murder of the woman and her baby. Um, but we just don't know. Um, and then lastly, in 2018, when the Golden State Killer was captured, they decided they wanted to try to ID the killer with the same technology. So back in the you know 60s and 70s, stamps were attached with spit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you licked so, your stamps and stamped them on. So, You'd lick your envelopes, too. Yeah, so they were trying to get a DNA profile from the stamp. They are able to... They have identified a partial profile, but it is more to rule out suspects. They mm. can't actually be like 100% this is the person. Okay. My guess is, is it's maybe like random like phenotypic stuff and not, you know, things that are more singular to one person. Um, but they also think like there's a low probability of getting a more full sample from forensic experts just because the evidence is so old yeah. and... Unfortunately, we didn't know back then that yeah. DNA existed. Or, like, we knew it existed, but we didn't know we'd be able to do this. Yeah. And so... So they didn't preserve it the way that maybe they could have if they... Yeah. Were, you know, fortune teller, future tellers, and didn't know <laughs> that we were going to have the technology someday. Exactly. So, most recently, in 2023, actually, there was a volunteer group uh, who named a potential suspect that had been confirmed as a suspect by an FBI official... His name is Gary Francis Post, um, or Poste. I'm not sure. It's Post with an E at the end, so I'm saying Post. Um, But he passed away in 2018. Um, He was a retired Air Force vet. His uh, DNA matched the partial DNA match, but again, that could be a lot of people. Yeah. Um, And like I said, he is listed by a suspect of the FBI. Uh, Initially, he was... Uh, identified as a suspect in 2016 by none other than Tom Colbert, if y'all remember from the D.B. Cooper case mm-hmm. um, and his group Case Breakers. Uh, and prior to his death, he reportedly gave away firearms and ammo to his quote-unquote favorite locals. Um, hmm. Like he would be like, oh, you take these bullets, you take this gun, you huh. do this, you do that. So that's kind of weird. Like yeah, maybe it- he is linked to some sort of murder. Or something. So they should gather all those things. <laughs> right. And this included bullets and shell casings from 25 different caliber of gun. So to me, I'm like, were these guns, even if it wasn't Zodiac, were these guns used in a crime? Yeah. And were they, you know, linked to something? And Colbert claims that six people have confessed or have said that he confessed to being the killer. Hmm. But again, he passed in 2018. So yeah. we'll never really know. Um he also lived 15 minutes away from the site of the Bates killing. So a lot of people think maybe he could have perpetrated the killing in Southern California and maybe mm-hmm. other killings in Southern California. Um, he also had, um, I guess there was a wristwatch at the scene and uh, where uh, Sherry Bates was killed. And they believed it belonged to the killer. Hmm. And it was stained with like house paint and Post was a house painter. Oh, and um, there was a heel print 
which matched the boot prints from the Zodiac killings and was the same shoe size. So that, I guess, is like maybe a piece of evidence that could link. But, you know, same brand boot is kind of hard. Like if military bases, there's some in SoCal, there's some in NorCal. You never know. It's just interesting. (laughs) Um, Were they military issue boots? Yeah. So they were only sold on military bases. Well, but that means every single person that's a soldier has the same boots. Exactly. And from that time, too. Right? So it's tough. Um, But there were also people in his life who were like, yeah, he's capable of it. Um, His widow, I guess, claimed that she regrets not telling the police about his past. Mm. But there wasn't a lot of description as to what that past was or what you know Hmm. she was regretting about that (laughs) um and apparently he had like a crime posse that he hung around with in southern california what is a crime posse (laughs) (laughs) well (laughs) i don't really know um to me it sounds like some sort of organized crime okay um but former members of this posse said they saw him bury murder weapons. So hmm. there could be weapons somewhere in Southern California yeah. that have not been discovered. Um, he even sicked some posse members on his son's ex-girlfriend after they separated. Like, they wanted to, like, scare her and be like, you hurt my son. Like, don't fucking play. Like, whatever. Wow. Which is wild <laughs> well talk about a mama bear moment i mean oh. i know you guys call me a mama bear but it sounds like he's a mama bear and it was so bad she moved to another state oh to gosh. avoid the harassment well yeah so, definitely sounds like you're dealing with a crazy person i'd want to get away too so again like we're not saying you know this guy is the zodiac killer we're just saying he is capable he's of interesting. it interesting <laughs> yeah. yeah um but back to the killer um those are really the only like main suspects we have um but he has been linked to five confirmed kills but there have more than likely been 20 to 28 at, based on letters and other killings that they could potentially link but there's just not enough evidence to say for sure it's zodiac yeah um and yeah i am surprised though like if he really wanted to take credit for the ones i'm surprised if he did the other ones i'm surprised that he wouldn't have done well and i was gonna say the killer did say that he had killed 37 at one point oh he did okay okay but he didn't give details Details. so and this is where people are like well there were those cases he said he did but they were like very basic info that you could get from the newspaper and Mm -hmm. we can't prove that that was him for sure you know that type of thing yeah um but yeah, that's what I have on the Zodiac Killer. Do you have a suspect you like? Well, I mean, I think the last two are interesting. I think uh-huh. both of them have stuff that would make me want to look at them again if they were still alive and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. But, yeah. Yeah. I've always really liked Arthur Lee Allen as a suspect. Yeah. I think Robert Graysmith did a lot of really great investigating on that one. Yeah. Um. Obviously, this one that Tom Colbert came up with is fairly new. I'm... I would like to do, like, a full-scale documentary where Colbert, like, goes deep yeah. into his evidence, um, just because I think it is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's just, this case is so hard. There's so many twists and turns, and, yeah. But I don't know. I yeah. don't know, man. Well, good job. Thank you, thank you. All right, so I'm covering the New York Zodiac is what people were calling him. <laughs> Um, so this does not have as many details, um, and it is a solved case, uh, but I'm just going to quickly cover, um, the first shooting. Um, these were shootings in New York. The first person to be shot was a man named Joe Prochi. 
and he lived in a basement apartment, mm-hmm. and he was, like, shot out in front of his place. He was um, going on, like, a nightly walk, um, and he noticed that a man was following him, so he turned and said, like, hey, I, I don't have any money, and that's when he was shot. He thought this man was going to rob him. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, and this was an older man, so he, I mean, you know, he's a senior citizen, he had poor vision, and it was dark outside, so mm-hmm. he was not able to give a physical description of the attacker. Okay. Um, did he survive? I mean, obviously, if there was a... Yeah, he did survive. Um, detectives found a note at the scene. Okay. And at the top was a circle, and it had three symbols in it, and it was like kind of like a pie chart, you know? Oh, okay. And so three of the pie slices had a symbol in them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was later determined that those were astrological signs of the first three victims. Oh. But we will come back to that because at this point, um, you know, police don't know of these other two shootings. They're just dealing with this first shooting that they're responding to. Right. Okay. Um, so so to complete the picture, what the note looks like, again, it's just like that pie in the corner. Um, and the signs that were in the pie slices were for Taurus, Scorpio, and Gemini. Wow. Okay. And then the note said, this is the Zodiac. The 12 sign will die when the belts in the heavens are seen. And then it had Faust. Huh. Okay. Um, and then it also had, you know, that Zodiac symbol with like, you know, the, like if you're looking through a scope with like the crosshairs. Okay. Um, so it had the circle with the cross. Um, so um, definitely, you know, they were like, oh, this kind of looks familiar. There were no fingerprints on the note. Um, and then there was a detective, Mike Cirovolo, and he was the commander of the senior citizen robbery unit, which I didn't even realize that was a thing to have a senior citizen robbery unit. I mean, I feel like in New York City, that makes sense because it's so massive. They probably have to have very specific units. Yeah. But, um, so, but he was one of the, you know, people that were assigned to the case. Um, and the paramedics had cut, cut off some of the clothing in order to render aid to Joe Approachy when they came onto the scene. Mm-hmm. Um, and so later, a detective went to, like, pick up a coat that was left on the ground, mm-hmm. and a bullet fell to the ground out of the coat. Oh. And so what happened was the bullet had, like, passed through Joe, and then it was caught by his coat. Um, you know, so it was an in-and-out shoot, um, which is good because, you know, it wasn't lodged inside of him. Right. But yeah. that meant that they now have the bullet. Wow, good for them. Well, and that would be good, <laughs> except for this bullet didn't have any lands or grooves. So normally you can... Oh, so it was a tampered with gun. Yeah, okay. so what they realized was he was using a zip gun. So basically like a homemade gun made from a pipe and a rubber band and a nail. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of works like a slingshot. Okay. But that means it doesn't make the indentations on a bullet that a normal gun would. Huh, and okay. so like it's impossible to trace basically. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So this person is smart. Yeah. Okay. So, well. I mean. <laughs> smart enough. Smart for enough. that. Yeah. Um, so, but because he identified as the Zodiac, they did send the note to the San Francisco police to compare mm-hmm. to the original Zodiac killer. Um, and then 18 days after the shooting, and at this point, you know, they had sent the letter. They hadn't gotten anything back yet. Um, But 18 days after the shooting of Joe, Mm -hmm. um, on June 18th, another note from the Zodiac um, arrived, but this time it was sent to a New York Post reporter. And in this letter, he writes that the shootings will continue with a 38 or a 9 millimeter and no grooves on the bullets. 
Um, and again, this was something only the shooter would know, like what mm-hmm. what kind of bullets they would be. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was a letter on May 31st that said, white old man with cane shoot in front of house. But it also listed two other shootings that occurred before Prochi. So, and I want to stress it said shoot in front of house, not shot in front of house. So there were weird spelling things there too. Huh. Okay. Um, and then, um, so, and then it said, you know, they had like, you know, number one and number two. And then it was like the first sign is dead on March 8th, 1990, 1.45 a.m. White man with a cane shot in the back in the street. The second sign is dead March 29th, 1990, 2.57 a.m. White man with black coat shoot in the side in front of house. Um, hmm. Now, the interesting thing, though, is, you know, both of those said the first sign and the second sign are dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and what the killer didn't know is, you know, when, once they do identify those victims, neither one of them died. Um, oh, but he, okay. he, apparently the killer or the person, the shooter thought that he had killed them. So he didn't like follow up to confirm. Apparently not. Folks died. So okay. when you say, he, oh, he's smart. Well, <laughs> maybe there are some things he's smart about and some that are not. Right. Um, so, but you know, now that the police knew there is these two other victims, they had to try try to find out who those people could be course, that he's yeah. claiming he shot. Um, so they did find the two, and one of them was Mario Rosco, mm-hmm. and he he worked in a restaurant and he walked with a limp. Oh, okay. Um, and the only reason why I share that detail is because what you're gonna find is that the shooter looked for people that were like vulnerable people. So people that were walking with a cane, a limp, you know, something that made them easy targets. What a coward. I'm sorry. Like, I hate people who, like, I know, I understand, like, I anyway. Well, and that's like with the previous (laughs) Zodiac, like shooting kids in a car that are on a date. Like, they're totally helpless. You know, they're, you know, they're not a threat. Um, I would love to find a serial killer that goes, not that I shouldn't say that. <laughs> okay, I don't want anybody to be a serial killer. But like none of these men are like courageous enough to hunt down people that are actually a threat or have, you know, are able to fight back. I mean, you're attacking these older men that, you know, are um, you know, struggling to walk and stuff. So, yeah. um so anyways, so um but yeah, so he worked in a restaurant, walked the limb, and he was shot in the back uh, by somebody wearing a mask. Oh, wow. And when Mario was down, the shooter did put the gun to his head, but then he just ran off. Huh. So he survived. Um, Is there ever any detail, like, once the guy's caught or anything, why he ran, or is it just... No. Okay. Um, And then the other guy that they were able to identify um, was German Montenegro. Mm -hmm. And on the night he was shot, he was drunk. And so he was, like, walking down the street, a little bit drunk, staggering. Mm -hmm. Um, So he was an easy target just because he was not even really that aware of his surroundings. Okay. Um, And um, so he wasn't able to to give a description, though, because he was not sober. (laughs) Right. Um, Okay. So... Um, now the killer, again, he said the signs are dead, but, you know, um, he assumed that all three of them had died and all of them survived. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but now that we know the pie and that there were three, we can assume there's going to be nine more victims. Right. Okay. Yeah. 
And this is around the time that the San Francisco detectives call back regarding the note, and they express the opinion that it was a copycat and not the original Zodiac Mm -hmm. because the handwriting was just not a match. And even if you look at the way he drew, like, the circle with the crosshairs, mm-hmm. um, you know, like, I don't know, the original Zodiac, like, slanted this way, you know, one way, and his, like, slanted slightly the other way. Oh, okay. Um, so it just, they, I mean, even that part of the drawing mm-hmm. of the letter wasn't a match, and the handwriting wasn't a match. Right, okay. Um, so they did feel like this was not the same person. And I mean... Also, this was what thirty years after the Zodiac yeah. killings, probably about or almost thirty years. So yeah. that's yeah, this quite was in a the nineties. Long time. I mean, I mean, handwriting changes, but it doesn't, you know. So like the, him drawing the symbol would look the same if it was the yeah. Zodiac, in my opinion. Yeah, and there was never any link to like the Zodiac signs before. Yeah, so that yeah. is different. So they created a team to learn more about astrology, astronomy, and witchcraft. Good for that. Yeah, because they were, like, wondering if there was any, like, ties to the occult or, you know, witchcraft or whatever. Um, so Larry uh, Milen- Milensky, Milensky mm-hmm. um, was a part of that team. Uh-huh. And um, what he noticed, which was important, was that the shootings were occurring on a 21-day cycle. Mm-hmm. And so then an astronomer showed them that on the night of the shootings, there were three constellations that were visible in the sky. Mm-hmm. And it was the Seven Sisters, Taurus, and Orion. Okay. And they realized that those three constellations were in the sky for each shooting. So, mm. you know, look as they looked for, they realized that the next time those three constellations would appear again would be on June 21st between 1 and 4 a.m., Mm-hmm. So they were able to predict that that might be when the next shootings would be. Mm-hmm. So uh, Detective Ciravolo, um, who I mentioned earlier that was at that f- scene with um, Joe Proci, mm-hmm. um, he did talk to a reporter at the New York Post, but he said, do not put this information out because we're going to have police all over the place watching out for him during right. those hours on that day. Um and he said, I will promise you an exclusive after the shooter is caught mm-hmm. if you keep this close to your chest right now and not publish it. Right. Um, but, of course, the next day it's on the front page <laughs> of the New York Post. You know? um, and they also, um, the article also um, had new info and a copy of the most recent note mm-hmm. um, that where he took responsibility for three the three killings or what he thought were killings. Okay. Um, but on June 21st, they went ahead with what they called Operation Watchdog. Okay. And um, that's when a man named Louis Savarisi joins the team. And this guy, he's kind of funny. He's, like, covered in tattoos. Mm-hmm. He's, like, got the long beard. You know, he's kind of a bigger guy. Um, but he's very cool. Um, but he has tattoos of serial killers all over his back. So he's got like Manson and Berkowitz and Gacy. What a man. Um, because he's like, all of these, you know, killers are a part of my story. And, um, you know, and of course now he has the, you know, one for the Zodiac, um, the Zodiac, uh-huh. um, the copycat. But, yeah, the copycat. But he, um, yeah, he's just a funny guy cause he clearly loves the study of serial killers I mean, it is interesting, obviously. Yeah. We're into it, too. No, I, but I totally dig his vibe. I think he's kind of a, he's kind of a goofy, but, like, cool guy. We should be friends. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, on June 21st, the, the Operation Watchdog was in full force. So, the police were out questioning, frisking, shaking down anyone who was out during that period of the morning. Mm-hmm. I do want to stress, you know, this was a time where they 
had a little bit more freedom to do that. I don't know if you remember the whole stop and frisk thing here, but that was definitely seen as, um, you know, yeah. that is not okay to just stop random people and frisk them and pat them down and all the things. But back then they did that. And whether it's right or wrong, that's what they did. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so... But even though they were out in full force, patting everybody down, nothing happened. Hmm. And they had put a lot of time and money into it. They were super disappointed. They thought they had it, like, on lock that this is going to happen on this night between these hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and so while De- Detective Cervolo was signing the overtime slips, um, which, you know, he was feeling very bad about that, like, he's paying all this overtime and mm-hmm. nothing came of it, he gets a call from Central Park Precinct. Okay. And they said there was no shooting um, in Brooklyn's or Queens, was there? And he said no. And he said, well, someone was shot in Central Park. Um, and his, uh, th- his name was Larry Parham. Mm-hmm. And he was an African-American houseless friend who was sleeping on a park bench. Oh, okay. And, you know, it just, this is another sad one, right? Like, totally defenseless. He was asleep when he was shot. Wow. So okay. the bullet went through his sternum mm-hmm. and um, and lodged into the park bench that he was sleeping on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he couldn't describe the shooter because he was asleep at the time he was shot. Mm-hmm. But there was a note. And his sign was added to the pie chart, which okay. is cancer. And um, the note contained Latin. And so they didn't really get into what that was. Um, hmm. okay. Now, on June 25th, Joe Proci, the first victim that I talked about, but he was actually the third, but the first one that started them looking at the case. Right. Okay. Um, he ended up dying in the hospital of Queen in Queens. So mm-hmm. he is the first one that died. That's so sad. Um, and then Chief Borelli, um, like, developed a new task force. Did you say Borelli? Yeah. He was in San Jose. Oh, probably. It's New York. At the, at the time, he, no, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. at the time, he was a te- detective. But remember, like, when Burke got arrested, like, oh, yeah. they did the huge promotions. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Borelli um, was one of them. <laughs> yeah. And so, but they developed a task force mm-hmm. to continue, like, trying to look into, like, what are these letters about? And, like, what can this be connected to? Um, mm-hmm. So they realized that Faust, who was mentioned in one of the letters, um, I actually think he was mentioned more than one, um, but he's a 16th century magician. Right. Who apparently sold his soul to the devil for knowledge. Okay. Um, and there was a man named Herman Slater who was a well-known, um, like, he was well-known in the occult community, and, you know, they called him a warlock. Um, and he said they have to get um, Alistair Crowley and the book of law, the book of the law, mm-hmm. um, because he said the shooter was like following that teaching, and so he needed to. They needed to like find this book. Okay. Um, but apparently, this book is hard to find, and even like the occult stores didn't have it, and they said they would not touch that book. Like that, people were like afraid of the book. Um, yeah, I mean, I know Alistair Crowley is a very wild man. Yeah. So, and people were scared of him, but he, like, I don't know. I feel like anything with the occult, people are just like, oh, that's scary and demonic and we don't want any, but it's like, it's a book. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know. So, but you know who had it? Who? The New York Public Library. <laughs> of course they did. <laughs> so all the occult shops and the witch shops were like, we don't carry that. Um, but the public library had it. So Larry sat down with the book and he, um, and when he went to open it, 
it fell open to a particular page hmm. because there was a note inside. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, it said white devil and had a lightning bolt. Oh. And then it said strike down the wretched and the weak. The sacrifice is greatest when it is known by many but understood by only a, a chosen few. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, again, this is like where strike down the wretched and the weak. I mean, he was like preying on people right. who are completely defenseless. Right. It just uh, kills me. Um, Bad man. Yeah. And then the lab called um, shortly after that, and they found that there was a fingerprint from the Larry Parham letter. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like a partial of an index finger, and there were 15 points of identification. Okay. And, you know, back then they had no computers that they could just feed this into. Right. So they were manually laying this fingerprint on a clear sheet over other fingerprints to try to match the 15 points. Yeah, um, gosh. Can you imagine being a forensic investigator and, like, the, like even just, like, two decades ago, yeah. right? And, like, how much it's advanced now where it's like, oh, everything's in CODIS. Yeah, just you, just, you just put it in <laughs> and it shoots it out. Um, so they, they spent, like... So many hours. I mean, they just had lab technicians doing this over and over again, laying this fingerprint over mm-hmm. many, many fingerprints. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on July 12th, 21 days after the Parham shooting okay. in the park, um, nothing happened again, you know, because they were they, they were doing the 21-day cycle to, you know, oh. thinking they were predicting when it was going to happen. Gotcha. Okay. So nothing happened. So they did this three or four more times where the task force came together, were on the streets, questioning, you know, stopping mm-hmm. everybody. Um, and three or four more times, still nothing happened. Mm-hmm. So the task force was disbanded at the end of November because that was, you know, four or five months of no more shootings. Hmm. Um, And so then on August 3rd, 1994, Mm -hmm. um, there was a detective, Joe Herbert. Um, Now, at this time, Larry and Mike had both retired. And and so Joe Herbert was, like, taking over the case. Gotcha. Well, he he took over the case once the New York Post received a a Zodiac letter. Oh, gosh. Um, So he got assigned to the case once the letter came and the letter listed five incidents of violence. Um, so it listed on um, August 10th, 1992, female white stabbed over a hundred times and shot twice. Mm-hmm. And they identified her as Patricia Fonte. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in 93, white male shot Jim Weber survived. Mm-hmm. And then 90, uh, later 93, uh, Joseph DeCone, homeless shot in the back, of the neck and bled out. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one in little in October '93, Diane Ballard shot in neck but survived. And then um, in '94, could not identify this victim. Um, and so the note also had like a little scorecard, mm-hmm. and it said NYPD zero, sad face, Zodiac nine, happy face. Hmm. So the Zodiac's fucking with them and being like, "Haha, I'm winning. You guys can't keep up." Yeah. But again, like, you know, they had no reason to associate any of these with the Zodiac because, like, it wasn't happening during that time that they were expecting. Um, and they had already, you know, like, the task force had ended, and then he did these later, you know. Right. Um, now, at the time, New York had over 2,300 homicides per year during all of those years. Mm-hmm. Um, so they were having a hard time connecting the 1990 cases with these other ones. 
um, that the note's claiming credit for. Mm -hmm. And also, Zodiac was no longer using the pie sign to track his work. Okay. There were drawings of flags, and it was determined that these were maritime flags. Huh. Um, okay. And then the code said, this is the Zodiac speaking. I am in control. There will be more your... There will be more yours truly. Okay. So, um, so, um, in 1993, um, they, lo they looked up any known criminals that lived in, like, the areas of, like, Highland Park around the time of the shootings, mm -hmm. um, uh, because, like, they, in, the shooting, the shootings, or the, um, yeah, the shootings in, in 1990, they were in, like, a five-block area, mm -hmm. and then Central Park. And then in 1993, that was, like, Highland Park. So mm -hmm. they were looking at any known criminals that lived in, the, in those areas, and then they came up with 4,500 possibilities. And they asked the lab to compare the fingerprint to those 4,500 possibilities. Mm -hmm. And, again, would take a very long time because they had to do one fingerprint at a time. Right. Okay. Um, and then in June 18th, 1996, Joe... Herbert had stopped walk working as a detective, mm. and he was now working as a hostage negotiator. Very cool. Yeah. Well, and the even cooler thing is that his very first case that he came out on as a hostage negotiator okay. was a man holed up, and he had shot his sister and was holding her boyfriend as a hostage. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. So, you know. Joe Herbert came out, he negotiated, the guy surrendered, great. Um, there were two pipe bombs found in the apartment. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, but they, they had taken him in, whatever. Joe's processing the scene, talking mm -hmm. to the bomb squad, doing all the things. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's when three officers approached him with Eddie's written confession. Oh, wow. Um, oh, the, the man's name was um, Heriberto Sera. But he went by Eddie. Okay. Um, and he confessed to the shooting of his sister and holding the boyfriend hostage. And what do you think they noticed? Fingerprint? The handwriting. Oh, well, duh. Okay, just kidding. So these three <laughs> detectives came and were like, Joe, look. And Joe looked at it and was immediately like, that's our guy. Wow. Um, and so they, they you know, because all of them had studied these notes. They knew the case. You know, so even though this is a couple years later and they hadn't been working on that case in a right. long time, they all knew it so well. Well, but I feel like if you're on a task force, like I think of it like in a silly way as like be writing a paper, yeah. doing research for a big paper, right? Yeah. You read dozens of articles, you do the things, you know the things, and of course that becomes... Something you just know. Like, if you saw that handwriting, of course, I would know your handwriting if it, like, showed yeah. up randomly. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like. So they knew it well. Um, so they went, you know, he went down there, too, to interview. Mm -hmm. And he continued to, to deny that he was the Zodiac. And they're like, we know it's you. And mm -hmm. he kept denying it. Okay. And then they ended up putting the crime scene photos up on the wall, mm -hmm. you know, where he could see them. And apparently, like, he looked at them over and over again. And eventually, um, he did confess to all of it. Wow. Okay. And then on June 24th, 1998, he was convicted of three counts of murder and six counts of attempted murder. Okay. And he was sentenced to 232 years. And he'll never get out, right? He'll never get out. Thank goodness. Um, so I did want to see what he's up to now. Okay. <laughs> um, so he was arrested at the age of 26. 
Hmm. And um, and this is an article from this past year. So um, he is now 55, and he's serving his sentence at Clinton Correctional Facility in upstate New York. Okay. It says he spends the majority of his time folding origami animals, working as a porter, reading the Bible, and watching hunting programs. Hmm. Um, and then um, I will say that he did find love behind bars. Wow. He found himself a hot trans woman that goes by the name of Cynthia China Blast. Hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, he's sentenced without consideration for uh, parole. Mm-hmm. Um, and he still is self-proclaimed as the Zodiac Killer. Hmm. Um, you know, which is interesting because, again, he it's totally a copycat, you would think. Yeah, he's <laughs> like the Zodiac copycat um, for sure. He's not the guy. Yeah. Because if know. he was 26, he wasn't even – or he was barely yeah. cognizant when the murders were happening in yeah. here, you yeah, know? Yeah, he was like a babe. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, he said – um. I could uh, apologize, you know, but that's not going to make up for anything. If you really want to overcome this tragedy, read the Bible. Okay. So thank you for that. Words of wisdom, Eddie. (laughs) Thanks, Eddie. Wow. So anyways, that is the New York Zodiac or Brooklyn Shooter. Hmm. Um, And I'm glad that he was caught. And again, preying on some of the most vulnerable people um, just horrible. I mean, shooting somebody sleeping on a park bench. Like, you fucking coward. That makes me think of, like, um, people who are, like, I don't know, like, bullies, right? Yeah. And you think about bullies who pick on people with disabilities. People who yeah. are maybe troubled kids. People who, whatever, like, in, in high schools and yeah. things. Yeah, like, people that, that they know are not going to fight back or whatever. Exactly. Yeah, they don't pick on the big kid who would fight back. <laughs> yeah. yeah, which is bullshit, because yeah. I'm like, you're a coward. Yeah. Like, no ifs, ands, or buts about that, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, so. So, anyways, clearly not the same Zodiac, but just wanted to cover that because copycats are interesting. Yeah. I mean, what type of mentality? I mean, I guess we all have, like, celebrities we want to be like or whatever. Like, I part my hair the way I do because I love Marilyn Monroe. Like, you know, like, I I don't know. So. But we, that's very, part your hair is very different than I'm going to kill people. <laughs> I mean, that's what I was about to say. I'm like, someone well, let's take it to an extreme. And again, we think these things are interesting, but we do not want to be these people. Um, no, not at all. I mean, we both have backgrounds in psychology, sociology, those type of things. So we find the human brain interesting. Yeah. But, like... Why we think what we think and why we do what we do. It's fascinating. Yeah, but absolutely not what I ever, as far as I know, find myself in this position (laughs) unless I had some sort of crazy mental break. But, yeah, um, yeah, that's interesting. That case... Didn't he, like, shoot his sister in the butt, too? (laughs) Isn't that a thing? You know, I don't know where he shot his sister, but did you hear that a woman got shot in the butt because she brought her gun and her purse into an MRI like, so she had, the person was in the chair in the MRI room. And, of course, it's, the like, one of the strongest magnets. Yeah, you can't have any metal. Yeah, and she if the, her, her gun went off and shot her in the butt. <laughs> She's in her MRI. I'm like, you <laughs> kind of deserve that because that's really dumb. That's so dumb. Yeah, so anyway, sorry, that was a total tangent. <laughs> that's, that's a what-the-hell moment if I've ever heard yeah. one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Wow. But I'm like, even piercings and stuff, you have to take them you out to take because it off. will rip them out of your body because that's a strong ass magnet. Like, yeah, MRIs are super strong. Yeah. Anyways, that I just that came to mind when you said shot in the butt. <laughs> no, I feel like I remember because there was a forensic files about this guy, okay. and I like years ago, like was definitely like on a road trip or something at a hotel and watched this, mm. but. I swear to God, he, like, shot his sister in the butt. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I didn't read that. Did they ever say why he shot his sister? You know, I I didn't. Nothing that I read said it, Um, and, but I didn't look into it, Brady. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I think he's just a crazy person. I think he's whack. I mean, obviously, if yeah. you're going after horrible people and then trying to play yourself off as the Zodiac Killer and whatever. I mean, I'm not saying anything, but our guy in California, I mean... Got away with it, technically, but I don't like the whole thing is why. Like I don't understand serial killers. That's just my. <laughs> I know, but we we remain fascinated by it. So it's the psychology of it. Um, yeah. Well, do you have anything else to add about the case, or just? Mm-hmm. I think that's about it. But thanks for sticking with us. You know our cakes are a little longer, so we appreciate you listening. Yeah, thanks for listening, friends. Um, some housekeeping things like I. Always mention, make sure to keep, you know, liking and subscribing on wherever you get your podcasts. Make sure to follow us on Instagram. Um, if you have a spooky story, wild alien encounter, anything going on in your life that you think we would be interested in, we are interested in it. Um, feel free to DM us on Instagram at whatthelpod, or you can email us at whatthelpod at gmail.com and we will put it in our episode also if you just like want to share the story but don't want to be on the podcast that's totally cool as well like we're not you know yeah building community making friends um oh and i did want to add though um that we did get in some new uh bottle opener keychains so uh for anybody that's already received a sticker from us if you would like to also have one of our new little bottle openers so you can open your bottle of ale and uh, you can get those if you subscribe on Patreon. Yes, ma'am. And so let us know if you've already subscribed and would like one since they came in after. Um, but, yeah, let us know because we uh, we love to hand out some swag. Oh, yeah. And we're still trying to get some new sticker designs out and everything. So we will keep you all posted on that. Um, but outside of that, we appreciate you all, our lovely friends. And I appreciate you, Mama. You too, baby. All right. Bye, friends. Bye, friends.